Hey Central, welcome back to Brick and Glass. My name's Sai. I'm Kate. And I'm Abby. We are part of Central's broadcast journalism team, Central Intelligence. Our goal is to give you audio journalism that will broaden your worldview beyond Central. On this episode, we cover a survivor's story, recent World War III hysteria, and a unique political movement. Stay tuned for these stories, coming up on Brick and Glass. Kate talked to an impactful woman who has used her strengths to recover from her cancer journey. One afternoon in 2011, Brittany Dwyer received a call that completely altered her life. Whenever I was 21, I was diagnosed with a really rare spinal cancer. I was the 51st person in the world to be diagnosed with that type of cancer in the spine. And at that time, I was paralyzed from the waist down, and they didn't anticipate that I would get any of that movement back, really. I was able to make a lot of progress and had a lot of recovery and I had lots of physical therapy and a couple surgeries, radiation. They removed a rib and deflated my lung removed part of my spine and then put in metal rods in place of it. So there was a lot of moving parts going on. After a long journey to a full recovery, Brittany told me that things suddenly changed one day. We were on vacation and got in kind of like a freak accident car wreck where no one else was really bothered but my back being different and missing parts just kind of responded differently and I lost a lot of that progression. And I started having a lot more nerve pain and a lot more paralysis in one of my legs. I ended up unfortunately losing my job. I was working with children with autism at the time that were highly aggressive, most of them, and I was just putting myself in a compromising situation because of my physical restrictions. Needing to find a way to make ends meet, she turned her love of woodworking into a business. Located in downtown Springfield, Missouri, is Beautiful Fight Woodworking, where she spends her days making custom furniture for others. I needed something creative and we needed something to help pay the bills, honestly. Um, so we made a couple pallet signs and then that has somehow progressed to where we are now over the past four or five years. If we ever were to feel completely comfortable, I wouldn't know if we were challenging ourselves enough and pushing ourselves, we might be getting too comfortable. Current co-worker Heather Dwyer explained to me the powerful meaning behind the name Beautiful Fight Woodworking. It kind of stems from her cancer battle and how we just had to find something beautiful in the chaos and the fight and try to look at something positive for an outlook. And that's just kind of how we took on life with it. And it just kind of flowed for our name. I think there was a large part of me that was scared, but there was a huge part of me that has somehow had like this really strong grasp onto hope. Then it was just like, okay, how do we how do we beat this and how do we move past it and make something better of it? Signing off for Breaking Glass, this has been Kate Steingraber reporting. Sai uncovers the recent Iran conflict. On January 3rd, the United States assassinated Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, causing social media to become rampant with memes about an impending World War III. But seeing these recurring posts has had students like Zeeland Gentry Lear worried. When I first saw the World War III memes, I was kind of confused. I didn't really know what they were, and so I Googled it, I think. And I what showed up was like the conflict in like Iran, and I was a little confused about like why there were so many memes about it. And I kind of thought that they were taking it way 
too lightly? To answer Zeeland's question, I talked to Joel Slingerland, Central's IB Global Politics teacher. He told me while the conflict is extremely complicated, we can start with the Iranian nuclear deal of 2015. The United States did not want an armed, a nuclear armed Iran. And, and what the uh, uh, nuclear agreement gave us was a situation where the international community could come in, inspect, and monitor um, the, I'm not sure, in, in the enrichment uh, of uh, uranium for non non-military purposes. Basically, the deal allowed Western powers to check Iran's growing nuclear capabilities. However, the question still remains. Why did the United States assassinate General Soleimani? Mr. Slingerland explains that Trump approaches international policy differently than past presidents. I mean, he's a bit of a foreign policy wild card. There doesn't seem to be, like the, the norms and practices of the State Department and, and the Department of Defense channels like that, um, in many ways, Trump, Trump kind of acts on a whim. According to external sources, however, Trump's reasoning for the assassination was because of the number of American troops who lost their lives because of Soleimani. And this decision is what sparked the World War III hysteria. Students like Andrew on who've been following the issue are unconvinced that it will happen, but he still understands the fear. I feel like it's a fear that a lot of people have within themselves, and especially like us high schoolers will be like, theoretically, what would happen if there's a draft? Would we be okay with it? So I think it's just a a, new, a question that especially our generation has never had to face. This leaves the question. Is World War III a possibility? Who knows? It, it could be. I'm not saying it could be World War III. I'm not saying that, you know, start blackening your boots and put on your combat gear necessarily to central juniors and seniors, but, you know, it's something I'd be a little bit more concerned about. For Brick and Glass, this has been Sai Vuda reporting. Abby investigates a popular conspiracy theory about birds. Imagine you are walking home from school on a crisp winter's day. As you traverse through the hustle and bustle, you find yourself listening to nothing but passing cars and the frequent chirping of birds. Although faint, the sound of the birds help you feel one with nature. But what if I told you that some believe that these avian animals are actually government drones created to spy on the American public? In a 2017 interview with news station KREG in Nashville, Tennessee, current campaign leader of the Birds Aren't Real movement, Peter McIndoe, explains the history of the theory. From 1959 through 2001, the government mercilessly genocided over 12 billion birds and simultaneously replaced them with surveillance drones in disguise. The movement has taken flight since its resurface in 2017, soaring to nearly 200,000 followers on Instagram and other social media platforms. Although often taken as a joke, it's not surprising that its popularity has made its way into the halls of Central. Senior Matthew Johns explains his views on the unique campaign. 
it is really hard to tell if they're a serious group or if just a troll on the internet. In my opinion, I think they're kind of a mix of both of them. Even though I, I do not believe personally in what they are saying, I can't understand the uh, paranoia. I later talked to Greg Swick, the current president of the Greater Ozarks Audubon Society, who detailed his opinions on the movement. You have to know that the Greater Ozarks Audubon Society embraces sound science. And so I would say that we are skeptical because we don't see any sound science that supports the conspiracy theory. We do believe that it's a very ingenious marketing tool for a apparel company. Greg went on to explain the benefits of the Birds Aren't Real movement in regards to the bird populations of America. I've still seen flesh and blood birds out there as a, as a Greater Ozarks Audubon president. I'm just a little skeptical of the whole thing. I certainly would like them to at least replace the birds that we've lost. They have reduced in population by over one quarter in the last 50 years. Three billion birds have gone, have disappeared from the face of the earth. We really believe the birds are real. <laughs> and we really believe not only are birds real, but they're really worth saving that they, they are like the canary in the coal mine. They are an indicator to us that things aren't right, that things need to be changed. So I would really love to see more and more young people involved. If you are interested in bird watching around Springfield or getting information about the GLADE program, you can find more on greaterozarksaudubon.org. However, if you think the birds are the real watchers, make sure to check out birdsaren'treal.com. For Brick and Glass, this has been Abby Weiler reporting. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Brick and Glass. We are a production of Central High School's broadcast journalism program, Central Intelligence. To find this and other episodes, check out Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever podcasts are found. See you next time!